If the creek's been rising or the weather's coming up or you found a little nugget or your horse has won the cup, put the billy on. Ring Macca. Australia's waiting for you. I'm in the land of the little nuggets, really, sort of just down the road is Kalgoorlie. I'm in Perth this morning. Didn't come across the Nullarbor or the Hay Plain, didn't drive. Would have loved to. I've done it before. But look, you give us a ring wherever you are, it doesn't matter. This is the number, 1300 700 222. Love to talk to you wherever you are. Want a hand, mate? Ring Macca. Someone will give it a go. Hey, Macca, how are you? What a great program this morning. I feel as if I've been all over Australia with so many stories. It's great. I'm calling from Mansfield. I'm, we have a ceramic award and exhibition. I guess is a legacy of Clytie Pate, who was a wonderful female potter or ceramicist in the 1930s, and she practised professionally for over 40 years. And so she really cutting edge for women in that area. And her godson uh, is one of our amazing people who lives in Mansfield, and he has he has donated a $10,000 prize for the Clytie Pate Exhibition and, and Ceramic Award, which is now in its third biennial year. And the exhibition's on now, so I just thought I should let people know they can come along for the next two weeks and have a look at the amazing 37 finalists from all over Australia and New Zealand. And that's on right now. And if you'd like to go and see it, it's in Mansfield, you'll find it. And I was just thinking about, as I said last week, I've got a book about the Greeks and the Grecian urns and what you can learn from about Greece and about the Roman Empire from just looking at a little vase. And they're, be- they're a thing of beauty. And it's sort of sensual. When you see somebody with all that clay and they've got their hands in it and they're moulding it on the wheel and it's going around and they gradually shape it and then they pop it in the oven and next minute this beautiful vase comes out and you can, or a pot or stoneware and then you can paint it and kiln it. Oh, it's just fantastic. 1300 700 222, wherever you are, love to talk to you. I've been on the road and I've met lots of people. I'm in Balranald in the main street talking to Chris. Chris Morrill. How are you, Chris? Good. I'm, I'm great, Mac. How are you? Yeah, good. What do you do? You live here or what's the story? Um, no, no, I'm a semi-local. I'm, uh, I'm trying to get up here, God's country, yeah. trying to get out of the big smoke to come up and, uh, and experience what the bush people have been experiencing all their life that I've missed out on. Where, you, where do you live at the moment? I'm in Bendigo at the moment, Bendigo, Victoria. And what are you? Yeah, I bought some land up here. Yeah, let's hope in the near future I'm a local. So all I can say at this time, Macca, we'll see what tomorrow brings. So you're going to go farming, are you? No, no, not, not, not so much farming. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do yet. I might be a radio host, Macca. Yeah. Well, that's yes, it's a reasonable gig. Pays poor, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. And Lisa, tell me your story, Lisa. I'm born and bred here. Been here for 50 years, own two businesses and just love Val Reynolds. Everything we need is here. Not too far away from the big smokes, mainly Melbourne, we head to, but just love it out here. Yeah, you're in New South Wales, but you're really Victorians here, aren't you? Pretty much. It's just as close as, yeah. You, you, you can't split it. Mildura's just down the road and that's Victoria. It's New South Wales, but hey, that's an hour to shoot over to the border. But that's why I want to get over here. I've still got kids in Victoria, but I can live in New South Wales. So, Lise, what sort of shops do you own? I have the news agents mm-hmm. and the local sports shop. Oh, I just went to the Pope shop. Mm, yeah. Yes. Can I just say, Lisa's just become a grandmother for the first time. So that's why I'm visiting today. I've come to see Lisa's daughter. 
And that's what happens in a country town, isn't it? Everybody sort of knows everyone. Everyone knows everything. <laughs> yeah, and, but you're connected in a nice way. We are. It's beautiful. Yeah. Mm. Big family. Mm. Big family. All right, kids. Nice to meet you both. Thank you. Good, day, Thank Good to meet day. you. Yeah, you too. <laughs> See ya. Is it Logan in Southwest Rocks? Good morning, Logan. Good morning, Macca. How you going? Good. That's the way. What's on your mind, Logan? Oh, just the weather. It's 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 chilly right now, and then it gets like really really hot in the around summer. Yeah, exactly. That's what happens. Uh, winter's winter's quite cold, and summer's quite hot. And um, you on holidays at the moment, Logan? Are you? Yeah. Uh, what or are you? We come from Canberra. We're up in Southwest Rocks right now. Oh, that's on a payphone. Oh, you're in a payphone. Well, mm-hmm. a public phone. You don't have to pay for them anymore, do you? So they're not really payphones. Yeah. You can just go in and phone whoever you want. Yep. <laughs> that's good. So, um, and what are you doing on holidays, Logan? Just swimming? Are you swimming? Been swimming? Yeah, we we've been swimming, fishing. We're here with the whole family, our cousins, our grandma and grandpa. We do this every year. <sighs> How good is that? I'm in I'm in Perth this morning, and they're on holidays here in Perth, and the show's on. The Perth oh, yeah. Perth shows has lots of lots of rides and lots of lots of show bags. People, <laughs> we watched them come out of the show yesterday. And they had some people had about ten or fifteen show bags wow. under their arms. So that cost you a lot of money too, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. All right, Logan. So you're on holidays this week, Southwest Rocks, and the weather up there's been good. Yeah, it's been good at the moment. Mm. It was yesterday when we got here. It was spring a little bit. Mm. But um, apart from that, yeah, it's uh, coming into summer. Well, it's spring now, but it's uh, coming into summer. I think it's going to be a warm one. Yeah. So keep hopefully. Your ha- yeah. So oh, it will be, mate. It will be. Uh, so keep your hat on and uh, yeah, enjoy yourself, Logan. What uh, what do you play cricket or something? What do you play? Oh, uh, this summer sport I'm playing Oztag, and oh. then winter I'm playing rugby union. Oh, I see. All right. Well, good luck with that, mate. And and nice to talk to you. So, and what's it like there this morning? Bit uh, bit fresh. Yeah, it's it's fresh, but yeah. it gets warmer. Good to talk to you, Logan. Thanks, mate. You too. See you, mate. Bye. See ya. Bye. I've got some guests in the studio already, um, and I think I know their names because I read, met them yesterday. John, isn't it? John? That's right, yeah. Hi, John. And, and Henry? Yep. Hi, Henry. How are you? Good. Nice to you? see you. And over here is Margaret. How are you, Margaret? Good morning. It's lovely to see you. Thanks for coming in. Oh, thanks for inviting uh, us. That's a, that's a pleasure. What's, uh, what's the story, uh, Henry? What's happening? Well... Um. I wanted to talk to you about a walk I did a while ago. Mm. I wanted to call you on it. It was the Cape to Cape, but there was no cell. No cell. Where's, where's the Cape to Cape? What Cape? What, um, what are the Capes? Cape Tell Australia. Cape Lewin to Cape Naturalist. Cape Lewin to Cape Naturalist. Yeah, the... Augusta to... Yeah, Augusta to... Uh, I was up near uh, Yelling Up kind of... Uh... Yelling Up Caves. Yeah, yeah, sort of up that way and then... All right. So, and you did the walk? Yeah. How far is that? 130 k's. Wow. It was was that seven days. Good fun? Yeah. Yeah, and you camped and stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah. Had a tent or something, did you? A tent. A tent. How good is that? You went there, John. Obviously. Oh, yeah, yep, yep. I took him. He was, he was really good. No complaining. Yeah. Just powered through it. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? And it was good weather? Yeah, it was very good weather. And what did you think of the... Um, 
the scenery around the place. It was amazing. There was mm. beautiful flowers. Mm. Yeah, I'll say. And is it? Does it go near the water or? Oh, it's basically all on the like, all right next to the water. Is it? Wow. Did you have a swim? I would have. <laughs> I think we dipped our feet in the water. <laughs> a, a bit cold, times. I bet. It was a little bit cold. Yeah, a bit yeah. fresh. I'd say the water would be a bit fresh. And how long ago did you do this? Um, it was exactly a year from today. A year, a year ago. Yeah, we started it exactly today. Yeah, in uh, in spring. So the water's still a bit cold, and it's, and it's down south. It's what be fifteen degrees or something like that, wouldn't it? Fourteen. 15 yeah, degrees. yeah, that's cold. right. Yeah, pretty cold, I'll say. Yeah. But unfortunately, the um, when when the show was on on the Sunday, we were completely out of phone range, and mm. there was no phone boxes as well. So. <laughs> No, they tend not to have those. I spoke to somebody uh, the other day who'd walked the Bivouac. Yes, the Bivouac track, which is about eleven hundred k's. It's a long, long way. But there's something nice to be walking along with your the bush on one side and the sea on the other side. Just a wonderful. I'm going to I'm going to try and do that. But I don't know if I'd make the hundred and ten k's. So you took seven days. Yeah. So that's fairly leisurely, isn't it? What about twenty k's a day, or something? Like that? Uh, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're carrying our stuff. Is yeah. it is it rugged or is it? Flat walk, or what's the story? It's, uh, it's kind of rough. There's like the first couple days are on like cliffs, mm. very close to the water, kind of thin paths. Mm. And so. uh, yeah, mixes Tim. it up. Bit of the bush, you know, along the beach, some cliff climbs, that sort of thing. Oh, I love you know. I haven't been to the west for ten years. I used to come here. We used to come here every every year. And if we didn't come, we'd come to Perth. But we might go to Kalgoorlie or we went out to Leonora or down south or up north or whatever. I just love it. And I haven't been here for ten years. And I just noticed as soon as I got off the plane, and I thought, wow, I've been away too long. It's fabulous. And I just love the bush. I love the look. The look. It, it, it's a different look from over east. It's completely. And especially around Kings Park and all that bush, and you just drive past gardens in houses in suburbia, and the and the trees are different. It's much more native bush here than um, than although you know Perth's growing, of course, but not like uh, some of the eastern states. But um, yeah, I love it. I'm going to do that walk, Henry. I'm going to do it. What, sc- good. what school do you go to? What school do you go to? Uh, I'm not sure. Oh no, Maylands Peninsula Primary School. Oh, really? May. Maylands Peninsula, where's, where's, that's on Maylands Peninsula. Yeah, where's so, so it's where's a, that? in a city area. It's about uh, five k's from here. Uh-huh. Yeah. What's that like, good? Good, good, good yeah. skill, yeah? Yeah. What, oh. do you, what do you play? Do you play sport or...? Um, I play soccer sometimes. I play... I used to play uh, American football, but then oh, they said no contact sport. All oh, right. So, so there you go. Yeah, that's... Uh, that's a big thing now in sport. Well, listen, it's lovely to meet you. You stay there. Do you know Ma- Margaret? Good morning. Morning. Margaret, what's your last name? Harnell. Margaret's bought a cake in, and I feel really guilty because I got a cake yesterday. Why do people think that I want cake? That's all. They think I'm a cake eater. This is a sponge. <laughs> I know. No flour. Non-fattening. Yeah. Non-flour. How do you make a sponge? It's made with custard powder. Oh, is it? So it's yellow. Uh-huh. And you'll love it. Right. And <laughs> and why did you make it out of custard powder? Because you feel for my diet or what? No. Well, it's it's nicer. Is it really? Lighter. Yeah. And, yes, gluten-free. But why does, why does everybody think I'm a cake eater? Do you like cake, Henry? Yeah. Yeah, I love cake too. It's beautiful. But, You've um, said many times I know. on the radio you love sponges. <laughs> well, I do. They're the best, aren't they? They're the best... <laughs> 
You can't beat a sponge cake, and you can you can put lovely passion fruit icing on it with lemon, lemon passion fruit icing, or you can have cream and strawberries and jam. My God, it's just the best. <laughs> it is absolutely. Margaret, where do you live? Not far, Bayswater. It's Bay- about five k's away as uh-huh, well, right, right near Maylands. Yeah. And you're a local, you've lived here all your life? or Yeah, I'm a country girl, born in the bush, love oh, it. Yeah, it's, oh, it's a love, I love it over here. I suppose because it's new and, and I haven't travelled for, you know, 10, 11 months, so that uh, um, it's just like a whole new world's opened up to me. But I remember it, I remember, I always loved, I'd get out of the car, we'd be out somewhere and down the southwest or whatever, and I'd get out of the car and just wander through the bush and say, look at that, and look at, because a diff- completely different flora um, from from over east, um, and uh, so it's all a you know a big eye. Oh wow, look at that! And, oh look at this! He'd be running around, and it's just it's fabulous. It's yeah, as I said earlier this morning, they call Canberra the bush capital, but this really is the capital city. That's the bushes capital. It's beautiful. I just love it. We were just talking about that earlier. I grew up in the bush as well on a wheat and sheep farm. Mm. Uh, so it was nice to meet someone else in the bush. And that's one of the good things about your show is it connects people who came from the bush that live in the city back yeah. to the country every every week. So it's fantastic. Oh, I love, and I love being at the show, but I love talking to people. We're going to meet people like you this morning. Thanks for coming in. It's been lovely to see you. Margaret, thank you for that no, cake. You can hang around. I oh, know. I've, I've got to go. It, have you heard? It might be a bit crowded here this morning. 1300 <laughs> 700 is our number, Mac. Tracks at gmail.com. G'day, Macca. This is uh, Glenn Dewhurst. I'm in um, Herfie Province, uh, Herfie City, sorry, uh, Anway Province in China. Herfie, Herfie City, Herfie Province. Yep, Herfie. Uh, Herfie City, Anway Province. Anway Province. What are you doing there, Glenn? Oh, look, we're over here um, just doing, uh, we're doing business, but uh, in particular, we've been um, talking uh, agriculture. Um, hopefully getting orders for uh, beef and sheep because there's a fair few sheep around at the moment. I'll say. I was just talking to somebody at the show yesterday about the sheep and the, and the parlous state of, of play. But um, So you're, uh, you're in agriculture, Glenn? Uh, look, I'm, uh, I, I do a number of things. I'm in mining, agriculture. Um, I'm actually a Perth boy. I uh, live in the city of Gosnells um, in the hills of Perth and I live in Martin. Wow. So, and what? Uh, how long have you been in? Uh, how do you pronounce it again? Heffy. Uh, Heffy. Yeah. He- uh, how long have you been there? I've been here ten days. We're heading back on uh, Monday night. Yeah. And what's uh, what's your uh, impressions of uh, China uh, in terms of you know we've been uh, have you always been doing business even while there's been uh, uh, what's uh, <laughs> the freeze the big freeze on. Um, yeah, look, we, we have been doing um, business um, all this time. Uh, look, I, I love China. The uh, people over here are um, exactly the same as us. They like to drink, they like to eat, and they like to um, uh, do business and make money. They're uh, very family-orientated, and, yeah, we haven't had any problems whatsoever. Yeah, and uh, and uh, business is good. I mean, you're because apparently the Chinese uh, economy, like most econo- many economies around the world, sort of like ours are, you know, on hold, if you know what, the, know what I mean, and inflation. I don't yeah. know. Is there inflation in China as well? Um, yes, there is. It's slowing down. They all talk about how it's all slowing down. Um, I think they've probably overbuilt. There's a lot of, um, you know, there's large buildings that are empty, but um, I think they're trying to get that back on track now. 
And that reminds us of uh, the time of Mao. The same thing happened during the Mao, Mao time. They built all these buildings, um, really had the shells of uh, steel construction of shells of all these places which never got finished. They started them but never got finished. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. So there'll be a, a real um, evening out of things, I think, in the next uh, 12 to 18 months when... Uh, China gets back to tries to get back to what they were, uh, you know, years ago, th- three or five years ago. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I think that's. I think you're right there, uh, Macca. Hey, Macca, can I just tell you a quick story about when I was a young traffic cop? <laughs> sure, sure, Glenn, go. On. So, so as a young traffic cop, I was um, sent out to a place called Condinan, which is on the way to uh, Wave Rock, and. Uh, what, what used to happen on a Sunday morning, I'd go to the roadhouse, go see Mike and June Tilliard, make, make myself a ham, cheese, tomato, toasty, two two rounds. Oh, sounds nice. Coffee, Sunday times, oh, absolutely wonderful. Mm. And I'd listen to Macca on a Sunday morning and <laughs> what I'd do on the main street is I'd go park the traffic car underneath this big tree and it was a perfect tree for a traffic cop. You could actually reverse the whole car so no one could see you. <laughs> <laughs> I used to have my... Uh, Mobile radar set to, to um, stationary and cars go past and I'd hit them with the um, radar. <laughs> now, it would be up to you, Macca, whether people got tickets or not. Oh, and, uh, oh dear. If dear. You, you, it was. If you had someone on, on there who was very interesting, um, <laughs> I'd very rarely go take off after the speeders, but sometimes the um, speeders were too high and I couldn't let them go. But I'd have to follow them 10 or up to, even up to 30 kilometres to uh, listen to the segment before I gave them a ticket. <laughs> So, and, I, and I suppose you were cranky because you missed the segment then. I did, I did. There was a lot of times I was cranky because I missed the segment and that, but I, if the segment didn't really interest me, um, yeah, people would get tickets. No problems at all. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Well, that's a great story, Glenn. Now, <coughs> the um, it's, what, coming into winter over there, well, it's, it's autumn, so is it is it cool there? You, is it you up north or down south or what? No, we saw the central southeast. Um, so it's been about um, 24 to 28 each day. Mm. Um, though yesterday was only about 22, but still beautiful, yeah. So you're trying to, what, sell beef and, and, and sheep to the Chinese? Is that the story? Well, that is. We're not, not trying. I've actually got, um, we've got orders of beef and sheep, but they like it processed, So um, which is probably something that the um, gov- our government would like because they're trying to cancel the live exports, which I disagree with. Mm. Um, a lot of people but, do. Um, yeah, yeah, but unfortunately we can't process it. So I've, I've got an order of 2,000 tonne of beef and about to do an order of sheep, but um, we find out that all our um, processing facilities are um, full now. We can't process it. Yeah, my uh, my guest here this morning, Margaret, she's uh, she's from... Condinan. Condinan. She, that's where she's originally from, Condinan. <laughs> Oh, Margaret. Okay. I was born there. Margaret. She, she was born there. Right, okay. Well, I was that, I was that um, cheeky little traffic cop who used to give everybody tickets from Corrigan, Narrabeen, but never touched the Condon people. <laughs> well, Glenn, good luck with your, your, um, your, your visit to China. I've never been to China. and a lot of, We used to get lots of calls from China because there was lots of Australians over there, but I suppose since the uh, denouement or whatever's happened over the last three or five years... Um, uh, things have slowed down a bit, but maybe it'll get back because our uh, our economy really has depended, doesn't it? Whether it's iron ore or sheep and wheat or wine or whatever on on the market in China, but uh, as they don't do too well, nobody does too well. 
Yeah, that's right, Macca. They, um, in fact, Macca, they'd love you over here. Macca <laughs> on a Sunday morning <laughs> no, from Hurphy, China. That they wouldn't. <laughs> I'm sure they would. Yeah. Glennie, great to talk to you, mate. We're in your, yeah, we're in your state here. We're in uh, we're, uh, Perth this morning and uh, doing the program. It's lovely. Went to the show. The show started yesterday and uh, lots of met lots of people. And um, yeah, we'll bring them to you this morning. So oh, that's wonderful. I'll Macca. tell you what. The the phone call your quality there from China is pretty good, eh? Yes, it is. Great. Yeah, they've had no problems whatsoever. Telephones, emails, absolutely absolutely wonderful. Good on you. Lovely to talk to you. Thanks, Macca. Have a great day. Thanks, Glenn. Good on you. But I had this email the other day, and I'll read it to you quickly. I'm not a farmer, says uh, Haley. Haley Stocks. I'm not a farmer. I'm a medical scientist working throughout COVID and beyond in pathology labs in regional Victoria. My boyfriend comes from a farming family and has broken out on his own over the last few years. This year, the prices for lamb and mutton and beef have dropped dramatically. Comparable lambs this year are worth less than half of what they were this time last year. Meat is a commodity, yes, and prices go up and down, but the current prices are completely unsustainable. Sheep will soon be euthanised in paddocks as it will cost more to transport them to the sale yards than they are worth. Farmers won't be able to afford to continue to breed healthy lambs to maintain the meat supply, not to mention that there's been no change in the cost of lamb in the supermarket. It's still pretty... I mean, it's quite unbelievable. You go in and you look at... Um, in some shops, in a butcher's shop or something, you see lamb cutlets and, uh, you know, uh, $70 or $69 or $59 a kilo. That's a lot of money. Where's all the money going, says Haley. The issue needs to be discussed. Something's going to have to give. When the dairy industry was getting a fair price for them, wasn't getting a fair price for their milk, the media and the dairy advocacy group ADF campaigned and locked in a fair price. The livestock industry needs the same thing. I don't know what to do. Can you please help, says Haley Stocks. That's why I rang you, Wal. <laughs> what, can, what can be done? And what's, what is the situation? Is it pretty grim? Uh, pretty much like she said. Um, you know, there's some sheep got no value. Yep. Uh, old ewes, crown cracker ewes, um, young light lambs. Um, there's, just, there's just no restocker interest. Mm. Um, and there's great opportunity for someone to go and buy a swag of sheep and have a go. Mm. But, you know, we've got a looming that Ag Department's trying to tell us we're going to have an El Nino, so that people lose confidence. Um, there's a drought in northern New South Wales, southern Queensland. Yep. And uh, I'm not sure what it's like over in the west. Um, but one of the things got... over there is that they've, they've stopped live export and going to, and people are just bailing out of sheep and flooding the market. And uh, I was just talking to a manufacturer, or he's trying, he manufactures in China, but he's using Australian wool because, as we know, there's no manufacturer, hasn't been any spinning and weaving in Australia for. Forever it seems, it seems, but um, yeah, and people are getting out of sheep, and it's and, and it's marvellous because it always said you know we're on the it's 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 one of the things that Australia is known for is wool and merino because it's just a wonderful wonderful fabric, and um, yeah, I mean it's how things change, but I suppose it's all down to China in lots of ways, isn't it? Tell us what what how are the Chinese doing, how are the how are the upper class and the lower class and the middle class doing in China. Um, well, with wool, of all this, this drop in the beef and lamb commodities, wool has dropped, but not that much. Mm. Uh, we're down about 15%, 20%. Uh, 
um, of a couple of good years. Um, <clears throat> but China buys 80% of our wool, and of that, 60% stays in China. They used to buy it and just re-export to the world, but now there's a, a, a large consumer market in China. Um, they've had a slow post-COVID recovery. If you can remember, in the first year, they, uh, they locked them all up. Uh, and that didn't work, and then they let them out and gave them a needle, and the needle didn't work. So middle-income China's had two years where they've earned no money, and they've got uh, you know, nothing to spend. So it's just going to take a while to, uh, to, to, to work through in China until people start working, start getting money, being able to go and buy a jumper. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and that's one of the reasons why everything's going... Uh... The Chinese economy is is not doing too well, apparently, um, and uh, I suppose that's that we feel the um, the cold breath of that, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm told, you know, yeah, end of this year, next year, the logistics will be working out, and that we're going to have a better wool year. That's what all my buyers tell me. Yeah. And um, with the meat, I just don't know. There's a um, there's extra sheep. I think there's another five million sheep in Australia, which would be uh, meat sheep. Mm. Um, you got the drought. You got the problem of no live export in the west. People are losing confidence, and they're just throwing sheep on the market. And uh, when that'll get fixed up, I'm not too sure. Yeah, well, you know, a lot of people who buy or used to buy lamb because lamb's very expensive, or has been, and still is probably. Um, it's just that's one of the things that's fueling inflation, the cost of food, and and certainly with, uh, but but the price of lamb has fallen, as you say, and the price of beef has fallen too, hasn't it? Oh yeah, in the, in the yards, and mm. it's a slower fall in the supermarket, I expect. But um, you know they should be starting to come down in the supermarkets, and hopefully the meat gets cheaper and people buy a bit more, and away we go again. Well, it's one of those times in Australia too we're facing because of El Nino. There'll probably be a drought. I know I was talking to a bloke in Narromine. Uh, over here it seems okay, but they'll need rain. Um, and out Narromine way, the, you know, a lot of the crops are looking crook already. Uh, out Dubbo way because um, it's going to be dry. But I suppose it was ever thus, well, in the, uh, in the, uh, out in the land. Oh, yeah, you get all this. We're, um, we're getting worried now. We're, um, we've got a pretty good season here. But um, we look like having to, to feed all our stock you know, right through the autumn up until we get a winter break, if we do. Mm. Um, and that's all cost on a, on a business where your income for your surplus stock is um, oh, halved and more in some cases. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I know a lot of people I was talking to yesterday feel the same thing about uh, the live trade export. Um, I don't know what to do about it. It needs to be done properly, but um, you'd think there would be a way in a, in a modern era to be able to do things properly, but we always seem to bugger it up, pardon my French, don't we? You know, muck things up. Uh, those sheep in those live export pens have got more room than I have in cattle class in a plane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, speaking of plane, I flew over in one of those A330s, and I, I must say I, I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. It's... Again, because I haven't travelled, I haven't flown a lot in planes, and I think the last plane I flew in was a seven three seven or a six seven. But that A three thirty, you're in this little plastic thing. It's like, 
it's like you're in a little, um, yeah, a, you feel like a space person, you know, a little spaceman. You're in this little module, you know, and it's, uh, and uh, front of the bus. Yeah, but yeah, oh, well, yeah I, I was upgraded, mate. But <laughs> but um, you're not you, no window. You can't you can't see. I mean, the only thing, the reason I like flying is so I can look out the window, you know, and say, oh look, look down there, look, oh look. There's a clay pan. Look at those clay pans. Look at that. You know, when you fly across the middle of Australia, it's just a wonderful experience. And you can't see out the damn window. And I thought, oh, well, this is not worth This is not worth it. I'd rather drive. But anyway. Or yeah, exactly. Yeah, you need to look out the window. Well, I mean, that's the whole deal of flying, really. I want a window seat. Anyway. Yeah. Well, great to talk to you, mate. Um, and uh, good luck to all uh, everybody who's got some land and is trying to Get a bit of drop of rain into your into your crop and everything. It'll all work out. But yeah, farmers are resilient. We all need to be resilient, don't we, Wal? Oh, well, been here before. Like I can remember digging holes and bloody putting them in it. Yeah, exactly. Things were bad. We all survived that. Things change. Never bad for very long, and never good for very long on the land. Good on you, Wal. Good, Maga. Thanks, mate. G'day, Macca. This is Charlie McMahon here, mate, calling from Portland, New South Wales. How you doing? Good, thanks, Charlie. Quick, tell us your story. You've got a minute and a half. Go for it. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, back in 1983, when I, before I was doing uh, Did You Doing All Over the Joint, I used to do water bores. And we put a bore at a place called Kiwikura, which is out in West Australia, mm. between the Gibson and the Great Sandy Desert. So it's uh, if you're up on the Canning Stock Route, you'd head west. Sorry, you'd head east or out towards Alice Springs. Right. Out to Jupiter Well. Anyway, so they decided to have a foundation day. It's a great little spot, Kiwikura. It's actually called Kiwikura Roadhouse. And it's a Pinnaby mob out there. Mm. And so, uh, yeah, they're going up for their celebration. When's and that? on the uh, 11th and 12th of October. 11th and, and 12th. Uh, visitors are, Go on. Visitors are welcome. Okay, so that's a Kiwikura. How far is that yeah. from wherever? Oh, well, well, I suppose from Jupiter Well, yeah, uh, which is uh, a long way from anywhere. Gibson Desert, <laughs> yeah, uh, and the Canning Stock would be a couple of hundred k's. Well, people and, know uh, people who have got anything to do with that will know where Kiwi Curry is, and it's on the 11th and 12th of October. Is that right, Charlie? Yeah, mate, it's, it's a foundation day. It's a great little spot. All right, we'll have to fly, but look, we'll keep in touch, and you need to come in and play your dig soon. I've got to fly, mate, but good on you. Thank you. This is the All Over News. This is the All Over News, this week from the West. I love talking to my fellow Aussies. Meet Ethan, his mother Jenny, and FIFO worker Rick. I'm in East Perth talking to Ethan. How are you, Ethan? Well, thanks, Shimaka. I've, I've come a long way to see you today, up from Catania, actually, which is about 350 kilometres from, from here. I've been, been listening since before I was born, funnily enough. <laughs> so that, that gave my age away. And this but is I, your mum? This is my mum, Jenny, hi, yes. Hi, Jenny. Hello. How are you? Good. Um, good, thanks. What do you do in Catania? Look, I work for Parks and Wildlife down there, and I think one, one of the highlights of your show is it's a good excuse for, for me to clean my shed. It's one of the few places <laughs> on my property where you can get hear the radio get radio reception and every morning I, I find every Sunday morning I find it sets, sets my week sets the tone for the week and it, it gives me an excuse to clean the shed 
So Parks and Wildlife, you'll be involved with fires because I reckon it's going to be a tough bushfire year this year. Every year is a tough year of a bushfire season. As long as you have a plan of somewhat, don't leave it too late to leave. And yeah. part of most of my job is just putting the wet stuff on the hot stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great description of being a firefighter, sort of, isn't it? Putting the wet stuff on the hot stuff. That's it. So, look, I, I find it interesting. It really takes you around the state and you really see the fire in different fuel vegetation types, whether it be burning in grasslands and matty, and just seeing how, how quickly things can change. One minute you might be standing on the edge and suddenly a wind change, and it can change in under, under five seconds. So I'd, and it can really travel, can't it? Oh, as, as fast as the wind. Well, one thing that, re- that really gets me is, is the heat from the bushfires. You can be 30 metres away and still still burn your skin. As a rule of thumb, for every metre of flame height, you need to be three metres away from the fire to escape the radiant heat. And as someone who's never been in a bushfire but can see that if you're around bush, you're in trouble, aren't you? Yeah, I think it's, it's easy to get complacent, especially if you mo- live in the city then you move to the bush. You think, oh, bushfire, it's not going to happen to me. I, I come from a metropolitan area. But again, just seeing how quickly conditions can change and just just like anything, if you haven't seen it before, you don't know what to expect. Jenny, tell me, how did young Ethan start listening to the program? He said he listened before he was born. Ah, oh, well, that was when I was carrying, I suppose. I came from South Africa 32 years ago, and um, there's a big bushwalker in Sydney, and we used to set off to the Blue Mountains to go bushwalk, and we put the radio on, and that's why I got introduced. I never thought that 30 years on, I'll meet you in Perth. <laughs> So it's great. And Ethan just was in the car and, yeah, he's only a young man. He's only 23. Ethan, why did you work for Parks and Wildlife? Look, it's been, I mean, as, as Mum mentioned, she's been bushwalking since, since before I was born. But I suppose a, a turning point for me is when I went to go and visit my aunt and her family in South Africa. And they own, a, well, own work in the Okavango Delta, which is in Botswana. I spent extensive periods of time running around the South African bush. And it sort of just became an extension of my private life. Sort of went from running around the bush to, to volunteering in the bush to going to TAFE to study conservation and land management. And now I'm studying at a university too. And just being able to go into the bush and see that you weren't the first person to help look after it, neither will you be the last person. So you're only a small part of the stewardship program to help maintain biodiversity in the world. And seeing just how many different types of vegetation are around the state. You might only have to go a few hundred metres down the road or through the bush and to see how many vegetation types there are and after a while you get quite the quite the fine eye and you get to see bits of bush that haven't been interrupted by humans and bits that have been and how quick the bush can regenerate itself like to use an example clearing land 96 percent of the wheat belt is cleared and if you leave a paddock for 40 50 years you could barely tell it's being cleared as the bush reclaims it that quickly isn't that encouraging i reckon encouraging <laughs> with ethan and jenny is a bloke called rick Rick's, what have you given me here, Rick? It's uh, just uh, how are you, Rick? Sorry, yeah, I'm good. Good, good I'm morning, good, Yeah, yeah, good, good, good. So, Jimbo Bar's just turned ten years old. Jimbo Bar's, which is iron ore mine, which is, is iron ore mine, BHP. Uh, yep, up in the Pilbara, and this is a sample of the first iron ore that came off the conveyors. And that's what you do. You work there. I work at another site. I used, to, I started at Jimbo Bar, and I've moved around a few of their sites now. I'm at another site, Yandy. Yeah, do the FIFO, work in emergency services. You live here in Perth? I live here up in Perth, up in the hills, mm-hmm. up in uh, Parkerville. Before then, we were living up in Parabadoo. Before that, Panawanaka, so I only moved to places that start with P. <laughs> so, um, working in the iron ore mines for since uh, 96. And you from New Zealand? Originally? I am originally, yeah, yeah, yeah. yep, yep. I've lived, uh, I've lived in Australia longer now than I lived in New Zealand. All so right, so you're local. 
yeah. So you don't barrack for the All Blacks or anything like that anymore, no? Ah, uh, yeah, I do. I do just can't, <laughs> can't get, get out, out of the blood. No, so, yeah, I still go for the All Blacks. And what's it like working on a mine site? Lots of fly-in, fly-out from all over the place, I suppose, aren't they? It's a different lifestyle. You, you've got to have a, a good mindset to do that type of role. Uh, you know, you're, you're away from your, from your friends and family for an extended period and you kind of have another second family up there and you're all in the same boat to... It's not a job for everyone. I don't. I don't think there's. You know, some people. I suppose look for a, a, a good job and a, and a good salary, but it is. It does come with its ups and downs. So you, you look. You, you do earn good money, but you, you miss out on, you know, things like your kids' birthdays and and Christmas and that, those kind of things. But it's it's a lifestyle, not for everyone. But so how long's fly in, fly out? Is it what two weeks on, two weeks or three weeks? I was on a boat once, and they were they were six weeks, six mm. weeks on and six weeks yeah, off, and. Yeah. And I think one of them lived in the Philippines, but he, yep. he flew back to Australia and was on the boat for six, yep. back and back. So yeah, yeah. that's a strange lifestyle. Uh, well, one of my first Wi-Fi gigs was six six weeks on, one week off. Pretty much every day was a split shift in uh, Panawanica, and uh, I loved the town so much I decided to stay on and, and uh, went residential, came residential. And, yeah, I'm, I'm on an eight, eight days on, six days off now, so yeah, and I, I don't do nights just anymore. I'll leave that, leave that up to the young fellas to do that. It's good. It's just enough time at home that the wife's had enough of me and she's ready to send me away and just enough time away from home that she's, she's lo- she loves me when, when I get home again. <laughs> and you'd be a warrior supporter? Ah, uh, yeah, 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 up the wass. Rick, lovely to talk to you. You too, Mac. It's been great to meet you and... Give up the good word. As a mate of mine said when he left work, he said, it's been real. Take care. It's been real to meet you, Rick. Good on you. And Ethan, nice to talk to you, mate. Likewise, Macca. I'll hear you on Sunday. Yeah, thank you, Jenny. Great. Thank you, Macca. Great. I'm in Perth talking to... Reverend Katrina Holgate. And... Jonathan Holgate. How are you two? We are both extremely well. Thank you very much, Macca. And it's so good to be with you today. Look, I was going to ask you to come in on Sunday morning, but you're busy Sunday mornings. I will be very busy. turn up at 2.30 in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be busy on Sunday morning. We'll be celebrating St Matthew's Day in Guildford with our congregation. And next month we will be celebrating 150 years of our current church building. And how did you get into the the reverend business? (laughs) Just working in the church for many, many years and Mm. then uh, felt a call on my life to be ordained. It's been an interesting and amazing journey. What's it meant to you, do you think? It's meant an, an opportunity to work with people, to be a part and the privilege of being part of people's lives. A lot of the work that we do is with refugees and we work with them in community and um, continue to work with them in detention. So that has been a very deep and meaningful journey, um, being able to have the privilege of working with these people who are in such dire straits quite often to give them hope. We've been going up to the Yonger Hill Immigration Detention Centre for nearly nine years now. Where's that for everybody else? Up at, virtually at Northam, a few kilometres this side of Northam. Mm -hmm. And we go there once a week and we go and have a group of probably only half a dozen guys, but it's consistent. One of the guys there has been there for for more than eight years. Um, Another guy got sent back to India just recently. He'd been in there for 10 years. It's uh, a long time to be stuck in, uh, although it's it's and not quite a prison, but it's... Uh, and how did they arrive here in the first place? Oh, all, all sorts. Some, some people have, have arrived illegally on boats. Other people have come here and fallen foul of the, of the law. And uh, Australia is very harsh in what we say. Not only do you get punished for whatever it is you did, we get chucked out of the country as well. 
Katrina, you're the reverend, and Jonathan, you're the support worker. The support worker. <laughs> <laughs> Is that right? Is, yep, sorry. Yep, absolutely. Yep, yeah. No, that's exactly right. Yeah. He, he refers to himself as, yeah. a, as the Clark, spouse of the Clark, Clark in Holy Orders. Orders. <laughs> 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 so we work well together as a team, and we've got an amazing congregation. And it's just such a, a, a good thing to be able to be part of people's lives and encourage them, give them hope. And we all need that, don't we? We all well, need hope. We need hope um, for, for today, and we need hope for our future. We're a garrison church as well, so we have garrison services. We have a Gunners Day service, and of course Anzac Day. We had about 1,500 people at Anzac Day last wow. time. So at the memorial in Guildford, it was absolutely amazing. Just a beautiful meeting of people and engagement. So, yeah. Katrina and Jonathan, lovely to talk to you. you um, too. Keep up the good work, and thanks for coming to say good day yeah. and having it. Well, we've we've been listening for goodness knows how long. It probably is 30 years, but we won't tell Mac of that. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you. Thanks for, thanks for coming. I'm talking to Steve Noah. Steve's got a lovely T-shirt on. says the Marino Polo. Tell me about it, Steve. How are you? Good morning. I'm good to go, Maka. Finally great to uh, meet you. Yeah, so you'll remember me four years ago. I sent you a, uh, a wool jumper called the Swoolie that was um, that I put your name on it, and you rang me out of the blue and blew me away, and, and then bloody COVID hit, and uh, we never got to meet. So Was that four years ago? Four years ago, yeah, yeah. So a lot's changed in that time you know, with COVID and all that, so creative differences. I went out on my own, and... I discovered there's a, you know, everyone over, well, particularly in WA, everyone wears a polo shirt to work these days, probably over your way too, mm. and with their brand on it. So I set about sort of finding the right fabric and, and coming up with the Merino polo. So, we so got, that's wool, made of wool, Yeah, this is wool, 18.5 micron wool, 87% Merino wool with a little bit of nylon through it. it gives it a bit of elasticity. Elasticity, makes durability, all that stuff, machine washable. So, yeah, targeting big businesses to get them out of their synthetic stinky polos into wools. How does a bloke get into manufacturing <laughs> in Australia? Uh- well, unfortunately, we can't do it. We don't. We can't make it here. You know, my price, my price point to work to compete with the synthetics. You know, I've got to make. I make big. So I make six hundred of, of a colour at a time. But it's made in China. It's all Australian wool. You know, we've got sort of broad traceability because I'm actually still. I'm also a wool exporter. Been involved with the wool exporting game all my, all my life. Just frustrated by the lack of wool in everyday use. So yeah, it's sort of just been a you know. And that thing I always wanted to do, lots of been going to China for 30 years, so I've got some good connections up there. And, you know, we came up with this product and, yeah, it's, it's organically growing quite well. How did you get into wool, but what, what, what wow. about you and wool? Well, I was a horse breaker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, 30 years ago, I went to Ag College. Oh, actually, I finished school and went to the Kimberley Rangers and worked on cattle stations up there. City boy, just loved to go with the bush and came back to Victoria, went to Ag College down in uh, Western Victoria. Glen Ormiston, actually, Glen Ormiston, which yeah. doesn't exist anymore, although I believe it's being reopened, hopefully. And then, yeah, by accident, sort of, I was breaking in horses around the Western Districts and started working on a Merino stud. G'day to Jeff Notman, if you're listening. Yeah, just sort of made that sort of transition and got a job in town with a wool breaking business for a little while. You know, back in those days, to, be a, to get a wool buyer's job was very difficult. Fortunately, there was an opening at a company called Lemperere, which was one of Australia's great exporting companies. Got in there and started trading and travelling the world with them. And now, yeah, now I spend spend half my week buying wool for a company called Endeavour Wool, which is you know one of Australia's biggest exporters. How's the wool business going? Ordinary, yeah, ordinary at the moment. Yeah, WA, we've got a lot of challenges over here at the moment with keeping people interested in wool. We've had you know all sorts of issues before, getting shearers. COVID sort of made things hard. 
competing with the croppers, but now our biggest problem over here is they're trying to ban, well, they're not trying, they want to ban live export. And that's sort of been probably the last straw for a lot of people growing wool still. There's not a lot of young wool growers, so not having that outlet to move our sheep when we need to, people are sort of really rethinking their, their merino breeding. And yet it's a lovely, lovely fleece, oh, isn't it's, it? It's, you know, Mac, I get so frustrated. You know, all we talk about now is renewables, biodegradables and stuff like that. Wool ticks all these boxes, and yet we have... 1.3% of the of textile apparel market. It's just crazy, you know. And just, I th- you know, it's still, a, I find my biggest barrier is re-educating people about wool. A lot of people have that. They bought wool 20 years ago from Target or whatever, but, you know, from someone and it scratched or the kids weren't comfortable. Well, it's all changed. It's modern merino. You know, it's against the skin. It doesn't smell. It's just throw it in the washing machine. It's Australian. It's Australian, you know. What's more Australian than wool? Wool's, wool's the go, but... Wool's the go. Yeah, yeah, but... Steve, great to talk to you, mate. It's great to finally meet you, Mecca. Thanks for coming and saying g'day. Good stuff, mate. Good stuff. Keep up the good work. I've got one of our correspondents, Michael Lake. He's from Broome. Good morning, Michael. How are you? Good morning, and Lovely to see you again after all these years. Yeah, (laughs) long trip from Broome. Yes. What are you doing in in uh, in Perth? Um, I'm taking the opportunity to get a bit of professional development. I'm a design and technology teacher by trade, and I don't get much technical uh, stuff. So there was a visiting wood turner, mm. and uh, Stephen Hughes is also a DNT teacher in Victoria, mm. and he's very skilled set. So I went along and just got my skills up and running again, and. What's D- D&T? What's that? Uh, design and technology. So read for the older people, uh, manual arts, industrial arts, woodwork, metalwork. I'm a woodwork specialist, uh, and being in a small school, I do lots of other little bits and pieces as well. Now, I get a lot of emails here, and last mm. night I was reading through some of them. I think I've put it in the wrong pile, but it was from a lady from Victoria, I think. Mm-hmm. Might have been New South Wales, but I think she was from Victoria, about ta- the shortage of TAFE teachers. Oh, there's a shortage uh, of teachers full stop. Yeah, but TAFE teachers especially um, because you need tradesmen and tradesmen don't necessarily go into teaching but if you don't have people to teach the trades that you need like baking or whatever Mm. it is. When I first started working when I was about 18 or 19 I worked for um, technical education so Mm. but there was this I'll tell you what there was there was the school of building there was the school of bricklaying this a school of saw doctoring and whatever the school of plastering school of all these all these trades and um I I don't know if they still got those but it was the uh, Sydney Technical College and they had all those places and there was teachers of carpentry and joinery and all sorts of things but um I wish I had the email, but the lady said uh, something like, and I was going to talk to her sooner or later, but not this morning because we're, we're busy. We've got people here from Broome, Michael. But, um, yeah, there's short, a shortage of teachers and they want, mm. they want to get tradesmen, but there's no tradesmen either. You know, I mean, there is tradesmen. You know what I mean? There's yeah. shortage of everybody. With Michael is a bloke called Louis Von Sheng. Is that right, Louis? Is that, yes. Is that do? Just uh, Alex is fine. It's Alex. <laughs> Alex. Alex. We went to Alex's joint the other day. He, we had a little meet and greet because, as I said, we, um, uh, since the ABC shop's demise and ABC centres went with them, we used to say, oh, look, I'll meet you in the ABC shop in Ballarat or wherever it was, but they don't exist anymore. So sometimes when we went to Hobart, we went to the bookshop there. Um, and here in Perth, and I haven't been here, so I don't know many places or anything, so one of my correspondents, Gwen, said, um, 
Ian, you'll... Because the lady brought a... Is there a cake there over there where you are? It's out in the control room. <laughs> it's, it's, lady, why do they keep giving me sponge cakes? There's another one. I got, I got one yesterday at the show, and there's another one here. And she's made this sponge with um, custard powder. Um, and she said it's lovely and light and fluffy. But anyway, we'll so... we we'll Sorry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know you'll eat it. It's a city slicker toy. Um, but, um, yeah, so we went to this... Uh, she said, Ian, you'll like the cakes at uh, this little place called Maison Saint-Honoré, which yeah. has got an acute on the E's. Maison Saint-Honoré. No, good pronunciation. Yeah, yeah well done. Uh, it's my favourite subject at school. Uh, <laughs> it was French. Not that I did very well. The whole, Our whole final year... Just about the whole class failed French. That's how. Um, no, but it was a great surprise to see you there. Yeah. Actually, yeah. A couple of customers came uh, uh, days before, and they were saying, "Look, someone's coming, very famous." And I was like, oh, yeah, "Okay, yeah, who yeah, is yeah. it? Who is it?" And yeah. uh, and I wasn't aware actually. So that was very funny. People came with uh, actually camping chairs in the cafe just uh, just to watch you. I was like, "Whoa, who's this guru coming up here in Perth?" <laughs> Um, so that's where we met. We we uh, I went there and uh, and it's uh, like it's a cake shop, but but um, that's where you make the the cake. So on the floor there, there was and we've been talking about wheat because wheat's a Western Australia's a great wheat uh, growing uh, state, and on the floor there was uh, bags of flour made by Millers, which is a local. Uh, yeah. It's funny, millers, as in mm. milling flour. Mm. Um, and some of the bags said ancient grain blend, and they had ancient grain, so I suppose that's old wheat, because when I was a kid, wheat used to be growing over your yeah. over your head, and now wheat's, you know, about so high, it's about just come up to your shins. It's, but anyway, so it was ancient grain blend, and there was Mia's Super Seed blend. What's that, uh, Alex? Mia's Super Seed, M-I-A-S, Mia's Super seed blend and there's single artisan white and so that's that's a type of corn actually. All yeah. oh, right, um, but yeah, we we we're trying to work local. Uh, we've just started to do bread, so th- those flowers are for the breads. Uh-huh. Um, when I built the business, I started by making macarons, which yeah. are the French colorful biscuits. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so those ones, uh, I was making them at home and selling them on farmers markets around Perth. Uh-huh. And uh, so f- from then, we, we opened some kiosk in shopping centers uh, back in 2010, 2012. And, uh, and recently, we've just moved in, in East Perth, where we were able to, uh, to have a bigger premise and, and bake bread. So that's, that's uh, all the flowers you were talking about. Yeah. Uh, we're just experimenting with them and, and trying to make our, uh, this new range. Hi, Maka, this is Sue. I'm calling you from CM Reaping, Cambodia. Gee, what a good... F- we just had a call from China a little while ago, from Glenn, who was at yes, the Hi-Fi. Yes, I heard. And, and so clear. So yep, cl- amazing. Yeah, fantastic. What are you doing there in Cambodia? I do a lot of volunteer work and philanthropic work, putting in wells and water filters and toilets in remote villages. And I spend half my life in Cambodia and half of it in Australia but more likely heading more towards Cambodia for the future. And why? where did you get that bee in your bonnet? Can I say that? How did that happen? Yeah, just on a, a, a holiday. It went through Cambodia and then into Vietnam and thought we didn't have enough time in Cambodia. Went back for two months and taught English and um, fell in love with the place and the people and ended up adopting a couple of teenage boys whose father had passed away and 
So now I've got actual three little grandchildren here as well. Well, Sue, that, uh, yeah, I suppose the work is never ending because when people are trying to help others, when you look around Australia and around the world, and we had a call from PNG this morning uh, from a lady who just got back from PNG and they didn't have any running water and the generators weren't working. Where was she, Kel? Whereabouts in PNG was she? Um, WeWAC, that's right. Um, yep. And, and I remembered a call that I had from... Oh, five years ago and or ten years ago, and my caller said, "Macca, we were talking about the state of the world, as we usually do." And he said, "Macca, Australia's surrounded by basket cases. I mean, this is <laughs> talking about the countries and everybody needs help. And I think you know the the problem is there's too many people to help, and people like you, Sue, are just filling a a gap that needs to be filled by millions of people. I mean, there's lots of things to do, isn't there? I'm sure there's lots to do in Cambodia and it sounds like there's lots to do in WeWAC and all around the wherever you look. Look, the smallest little little bit of help goes a long way. We had a lottery the other day. Um, they drew lots in a remote village to for the order of the new toilets that were going. These people have never had a toilet. And there was a lady of about 65 and the smile on her face when she drew lot number three, she was the third person in the village to get a toilet, was incredible. Yeah, well, um, as you said, more and more your life's going to be heading towards Cambodia and not Australia. Where do you live in Australia when you're here? Aubrey Wodonga, uh-huh. beautiful part of the world, yep. But you think you're going to sort of end, become a Cambodian? Uh, yes, I've been offered citizenship by the Prime Minister, actually, so oh. I think i better take it up. <laughs> I can't get over the phone calls. I mean, you can get a phone call here and it's really daggy um, down the road or whatever. Crystal clear. <laughs> yeah, it's lovely, isn't it? You're like you're in the studio almost. Fabulous. Yeah. Thank you so much, Mecca. What you do is amazing. No, it's not. Um, I just <laughs> try my best. Sue, what's it like uh, living in Cambodia? Um, the, it's sort of humid and hot and things Very like that. Very humid. Yet mm. I suffer badly from advanced osteoporosis and I got off the top of the steps of the plane and I had not one ounce of pain. It's a miracle. So we have quite high humidity. We have It's the rainy season, so we have like oh, about um, eight inches of rain yesterday. So, you know, People say God loves Ireland, who washes it every day. Buddha loves Cambodia, and he washes Cambodia every day with about six inches of rain. <laughs> Buddha, Buddha loves Cambodia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Sue, it's lovely to talk to you. And and the Cambodian people, um, is it? Is, what's the food? Is it all you know? Oh, sensational. Really? Yeah, sensational. Basically, the chicken you eat today at lunchtime was walking around this morning. So, the you know, <laughs> the taste is fresh and beautiful. Well, what was that <laughs> No thing? preservatives. The food you eat today walks and talks tomorrow or something. I don't know. What was that like? <laughs> oh, that must <laughs> be other... Thailand or Bali. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Michael. Don't get it the wrong way around, yeah. do I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm often doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we're in we're in um, Perth this morning. The studios of ABC Radio in in Perth, and um, got a little uh, group of people. People keep coming in and out, so we've got people coming in all the time. But uh, we enjoyed your call, Sue. Um, Thank you for taking it. Yeah, lovely. S- I'll see you sometime in Albury, Wodonga, or something. If you if you're there. Yeah, perfect. All right, keep in touch. Thanks, Macca. Good on you. Bye. Bye.
You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.